Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Texas Ag Today for Thursday, September 17th of 2020. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. Drought is declining in Texas thanks to recent rains. I'm Jessica Dulmel and I'll have that story coming up. The latest USDA livestock and crop reports for Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Rainfall is welcome or it's not, depending on who you ask. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The U.S. cow herd is shrinking, and that will probably continue into next year. Randy Block with Cattle Facts spoke at the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers virtual convention yesterday. The cow herd right now is shrinking. Last year, we were down about 350,000 head. We're going to be down 300, 350,000 head again this year, it looks like. And based on the dryness that we see in the West and, and just not really generating enough profitability for cow-calf producers, you need to anticipate we're likely going to see one more year of, of downsizing in 2021. So it's not unfathomable that we could see a million fewer beef cows in uh by January of 2021 or January of 2022 than what we had just two years ago. I think that's what you need to be anticipating as we look down the road here. The national cattle inventory has been shrinking since its peak back in the mid-1970s, but beef production has been increasing with fewer cows, showing the efficiency of the U.S. beef industry. TSCRA elected a new president during their virtual convention yesterday. Hughes Abel raises cattle in Texas, New Mexico, and Florida. Abel is a native of Louisiana and moved to Texas in 1995. He most recently served as TSCRA's first vice president. Other officers elected include Arthur Ole III of San Antonio as first vice president and Carl Ray Polk Jr. of Lufkin as second vice president. The organization also recognized retiring executive director of the Texas Beef Council, Richard Wortham, as an honorary vice president. Drought is declining here in Texas thanks to recent rains. Jessica Domel has more. The most recent drought report from the Texas Water Development Board shows more of the impact of recent rains on the Texas landscape. Only 40% of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's down 15 percentage points from the last report. Thanks to rainfall over the past few weeks, some areas of central Texas saw as much as two category improvements in drought conditions. Unfortunately, drought intensified in parts of West Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report is out. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look at the numbers. We have the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report for the week of September 7th through the 13th. 
To begin with, we start with the rainfall. Most of Texas reported from trace amounts up to three inches of rain during the past week. Isolated areas of the low plains to cross timbers, the Edwards Plateau, South Central Texas, South Texas, the Blacklands, and the Upper Coast received from four to ten inches of rain for the week. Very isolated areas in the Edwards Plateau received up to 15 inches of precipitation. We start with small grains across the state. Producers made preparations to seed, had begun seeding, or were waiting for fields to dry to begin seeding small grain crops. Two row crops, corn harvest was virtually completed in the Blacklands and southern Texas. Meanwhile, producers in areas of the High Plains finished up final irrigation applications in anticipation of harvest beginning soon. Cotton harvest neared completion in areas of south-central Texas, the coastal bend, south Texas, and the upper coast. Conversely, cotton progress slowed due to cool, wet conditions in areas of the High Plains, the northern Low Plains, the Blacklands, and the Edwards Plateau. Rice harvest was mostly complete in areas of south-central Texas and the upper coast. Peanuts continued to improve in the southern High Plains, while harvest will begin soon in south Texas. On fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops, pecans progressed in the southern High Plains, the Cross Timbers, and the Trans-Pecos. Irrigation continued in the Cross Timbers and the Edwards Plateau, while harvest was expected soon in areas of south-central and south Texas. To livestock range and pasture conditions, supplemental feeding continued in south-central and south Texas due to dry conditions. Stock tanks were replenished due to recent rains in areas of the southern low plains, the Cross Timbers, the Blacklands, the Edwards Plateau, and South Texas. Feral hogs continue to be a problem for areas of eastern Texas and the Blacklands. Pasture and range condition were mostly rated fair to poor. Now to various crop conditions around the state. Corn shows 11% in excellent condition, 31% good, 39% fair, but 14% poor and 5% very poor. Cotton is at 6% excellent, 24% good, 28% fair, 31% poor, 11% very poor. On peanuts, only 1% excellent, but there's 48% that is good, 37% is fair. On rice, 13% excellent, 73% in good condition, 14% of the rice is in fair condition. Grain sorghum is 13% excellent, 32% good, 33% fair. Soybeans, 51% good, 31% fair. And on range and pastures, as mentioned before, 36% fair, 26% poor. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Rainfall is either welcome or it's not, just depending on who you ask. Dr. Shane McClellan explains from Waco. Central Texas has received various amounts of life-given moisture early in September. I've heard of reports of two inches up to over eight inches of rainfall. Our livestock and grain farmers are very happy to receive this rain after we've been dry and just experiencing extreme heat and drought. However, our cotton farmers were just getting started good, and this rain has negatively affected the 2020 cotton harvest. Central Texas cotton farmers have been in the field uh, or about a week when the rains came. Uh, yields were expected to be good, and many of our fields are producing even better than we expected. These first rains we received were slow soaking rains and didn't really string the cotton out too bad. However, the, the third and fourth round of rains have been hard downpours. 
Anytime we have rain during cotton harvest, the rain can actually pull the cotton, the lint, out of the bowl, and then if it's a hard enough rain, can push and pull that cotton all the way to the ground. Once that cotton is on the ground, it's lost. It's not harvestable. Rains can also affect the quality grade of cotton that remains on the plant. It is not a good situation for our local cotton farmers. However, with improvements over time, uh, technology, etc., our cotton varieties available to producers today do have very improved capabilities to withstand Mother Nature's wrath, uh, such as a tighter lock in that cotton bowl that keeps some of that cotton from actually stringing out. It's not a total waste for our producers, but it sure could have a, a negative effect on tonnage and on quality. Time will tell. Lawn and pastures have greened up overnight with the rain. Many of our hay fields have, that had fertilizer put out on them should be ready to cut again here in the next coming weeks. I have received numerous phone calls from homeowners over the past couple months about drought-stressed trees. This rain won't solve the issue. It'll sure help. But trees normally will continue to show drought-stressed symptoms months, even years, after that drought effect or that drought-stress event has occurred. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco. Farm groups are asking Congress to ensure that USDA has the funding needed to help farmers. Chad Smith reports from Washington. Funding for the Commodity Credit Corporation typically is one of the least controversial items on Capitol Hill. However, this year may be different. Andrew Walmsley, Senior Director of Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau, says CCC funding is in jeopardy unless Congress approves money that USDA needs to support farmers and ranchers. The authorities granted by Congress has provided funding to stabilize and support farm income and commodity prices along with conservation practices. This is something that's usually not been controversial up until last year, but now some seem to be paying politics with what's normally a routine practice in Congress. Walmsley says without CCC replenishment, key farm bill commodity support and conservation program funding that had overwhelming support two years ago in the farm bill would be delayed. The timing of a delay could not come at a worse time. We're seeing impacts from lockdowns and the COVID-19 pandemic to the farm economy. Agricultural trade continues to face headwinds. Farm level cash receipts are at decade lows. Commodity prices remain depressed. Farm debt is record high. Working capital has been cut in half. Farmers and ranchers need all the assistance they can find. And USDA needs the resources for an immediate reimbursement to the Commodity Credit Corporation. AFBF, along with dozens of other organizations, sent a letter to Congress requesting replenishment of the CCC. Walmsley says farmers and ranchers can also help by reaching out to their members of Congress. We're in negotiations, so nothing's determined, but picking up the phone or sending an email to your member of Congress, and particularly your senator, as we're seeing some of these challenges really crop up in the Senate. Let them know how important farm bill programs are and how tough it is in farm country. would we'll hopefully move this discussion along and we won't see the CCC replenishment jeopardized. Chad Smith, Washington. A proposal would allow pond owners to stock more types of fish. I'm Jessica Dolmel. I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And if you have older horses, you have a lot of different options for feeding them. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a look at those options coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Dan 
And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have older horses with dental problems, there are a lot of different options for feeding them. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at those options. Dental disease is very common in older horses, and a special feed may be required for these horses. However, just because your horses are older does not automatically indicate they need to be on a senior or special feed. It depends on the teeth, and this needs to be determined by your veterinarian after a thorough exam. Many older horses will maintain their weight on just pasture and hay with a vitamin mineral supplement. Also, you have to take in consideration the horse's other medical issues, if any are present. For example, if your horse is insulin resistant or has PPID, commonly called Cushing's disease, then you need to take that into account when choosing a feed as well. You would not want to feed a senior feed that is high in carbohydrates, as this could lead to laminitis and founder in these horses. Also, significant dental disease may require that your horse is on a diet with no long fibers, because long fibers given to a horse that has difficulty chewing could lead to choke. Some older horses cannot chew well enough to feed even short chopped fibers and need to be fed a complete ration that does not require forage. Again, you cannot just pick a diet that satisfies the requirement, but must look at the horse's overall health and take all factors into consideration. Many older horses have a difficult time consuming enough calories due to dental issues and will lose weight. Feeding increased carbohydrates is not a good option for most horses due to the concern with laminitis developing. So feeding an increased fat ration may be helpful. However, we don't want older horses to be too heavy anyway due to arthritis that is a common problem in these older horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A proposal would allow pond owners to stock more types of fish. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering a proposal that would allow pond owners to stock more than one type of tilapia. Monica McGarity, TPWD Senior Scientist for Aquatic Invasive Species Management for the Inland Fisheries Division, says the proposal would allow the stocking of blue, Nile, and Wami tilapia in private ponds without a permit. Currently, only Mozambique tilapia can be possessed without a permit and stocked in ponds. However, Hybridization among the species in aquaculture is rampant, and it's not possible to confirm the species' identity without any degree of certainty. This places an unrealistic burden of proof on the aquaculturists and renders the rules unenforceable. We plan to address this by treating all tilapia species in Texas aquaculture the same with regards to pond stocking. 
To prevent an increase in ecological impacts from allowing the additional species, the department is proposing a zonal approach to tilapia pond stocking. There would be a conservation zone west of IH-35 that would require TPWD authorization prior to stocking the fish. No permit or fee would be required. The rest of the state would not require prior authorization. You can comment on the proposed regulation changes until Monday, November 9th on the TPWD website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. Click on Regulations, and there's a link at the bottom of the page to comment. Again, that's tpwd.texas.gov. You can still register for the Texas Dove Hunters Association's annual Banded Bird Challenge for a chance to win a new pickup truck, ATV, or other prize. Details at bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw another mixed trade in live cattle futures today while the feeder cattle market continues to move lower. A lower close in the cotton market as well. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, grain, cotton, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed close in live cattle futures today. The nearby finishing higher deferreds closing lower. October live cattle up a nickel, 106.77. December down 65, 111.30. February live cattle down 47, 115.77. Feeder cattle continue to slide lower. We've seen that most of this week. October feeders down 97 at 141.45. The November feeder cattle contract down $1.31.42.22. Looking at the cash markets, we did see some fed cattle sales yesterday. Most of those sales coming here in Texas and up in Kansas, those cattle selling for 103 to 10350. A few Iowa feedlots held out and got 104, but we still have a lot of cattle out there to sell. Most of those cattle priced at 105. Feedlots holding out, trying to get that extra dollar this week as the Packers try to wrap up this week's sales. Boxed beef prices lower. Choice down 35 cents, 215.03. Select down 91 at 203.60. Let's check out a couple of livestock auctions now. We sold feeder cattle in Pearsall at Pearsall Livestock Auction yesterday. 637 head sold. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers bought $1.60 to $1.90. Three to four weights $1.50 to $1.70. Four to 500 pound steers $1.45 to $1.65. Five to six weights $1.20 to $1.40. With six to 700 pound steers bringing $1.15 to $1.35 a pound. Slaughter cows, 36 to 64 cents. Slaughter bulls, 62 to 90. Stocker cows brought 710 to 825 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 1000 to $1,200 a pair. Caldwell Livestock Commission in Caldwell sold 1,023 head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher. 
two to three weight steers, a dollar forty to two fifteen a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty seven. Four to five weight steers, a dollar forty to a dollar sixty two. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty eight to a dollar fifty one. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty four. Seven to eight hundred pounders, a dollar seventeen to a dollar thirty four a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to seventy cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to eighty nine. Stocker cows, five hundred to eight seventy five a head. Cow calf pairs brought five fifty to nine seventy five a pair. Back over to the board now. We'll check lean hogs. They jumped higher. October hogs up a dollar forty, sixty six sixty two. December up a dollar sixty seven, sixty three sixty five. October class three milk up twelve cents at nineteen oh one a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower. Traders still trying to get a handle on exactly what Hurricane Sally is doing to the southeastern cotton crop. We do know that there has been a lot of rain. Alabama receiving over 20 inches of rain in a short period of time. Sally still moving through into the Carolinas and Virginia, dumping a lot of rain on the cotton crop in that southeastern portion of the country. USDA releasing the export sales report this morning, showing China as a big customer. Huge sales, net sales of 519,600 running bales for the 2021 marketing year. We close with October cotton down 62 points at 64.35, December down 52, 65.85, December 21 cotton down 12 points, 66.18. Kansas City wheat saw a nice jump, double-digit gains. Weekly export sales this week, 335.700 metric tons. Kansas City wheat still at a 66-cent discount to the Chicago soft wheat market. We close with December wheat up 12 and a half, 487 and a half. New crop July wheat up 10 and three quarters, 510 and three quarters. Corn was higher. December corn up three and a half, 375 and a quarter. In the energy markets, natural gas taking a big drop. The October contract down 22 cents at 204. October crude oil is up 90 cents, 4106 a barrel. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, we'll be right back here tomorrow bringing you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. We'll see you then right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.